Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning at Calvary. We had a great drive here, and we felt very welcomed, and it's just a pleasure for Jay and I to worship with you all. Thanks for having us here. Um, Have you ever watched a group of boys play on the playground or maybe out in the backyard and seen their conversation turn into a competition? It might start off something like, oh, I saw something really gross last night. Let me tell you about it. And then so we hear the boy's story, and the next boy's story goes, no, last night I saw something even grosser. Oh, man, let me tell you this story. And then the third boy says, nope, I've got the grossest story of all. Listen to this. Have you heard that kind of conversation happen? Maybe it's not always about something gross. It might be, I can jump higher than you, or I have a cooler toy than you, or I met someone more famouser than you. You know, whatever the conversation is, um, a lot of times we see boys have this kind of one-up kind of conversation, try to see who's the best at something. Um, Have you seen that kind of conversation happen? Maybe it's little boys, maybe it's even bigger boys, but that happens quite often. Um, <laughs> I think that was the kind of conversation that was going on in the background in Matthew 22 in the passage that was read this morning. If you look before the scripture that was read this morning, you'll see that this is really the, the third question in a series of questions that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to ask Jesus. Um, we even see in verse 15 of that chapter that they were trying to trick Jesus, it says. So it says like this, the Pharisees get together, and the first one says, oh, I've got this question that's really going to stump Jesus. He's not going to know what to, how to answer this. I'm going to ask him about paying taxes. And so he asks his question, that you'll see in, the, in chapter 22, and Jesus really blindsides him with an answer that he's not expecting. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And in verse 22, it says that they were impressed, and they left him alone. So the Sadducees saw this and said, probably maybe, said to the Pharisee, now with a bruised ego, oh man, I've got a better question. Watch this. I can get, I can get him with this one. So in verses 23 through 33, we see that the Sadducee makes up this really crazy story about a woman who has who marries seven different brothers and wants to know which one of those, when they get to heaven, is she really going to be married to. And Jesus, again, gives them an answer that they weren't at all expecting. And it says they were astonished. And so the Sadducee has not won up Jesus and probably goes away embarrassed that he didn't um, beat the Pharisee or Jesus with that question. So then when we finally get to these verses that were read this morning, we see that a second Pharisee, it says an expert in the law in verse 35, comes and thinks he has the real question. This one is going to get Jesus. I'm going to ask him, what is the greatest commandment? Y'all watch this, okay? And, you know, I'm not really sure what he was thinking when he was getting ready to ask that question, how he thought that was going to trick Jesus. But my guess is that he was prepared that any answer Jesus was going to give was going to be the wrong one. Um, Did you know that Jewish rabbis in the whole law had counted 613 separate statements, separate laws that there were, and they had even... Um, separated them out into heavy laws and light laws. There were just a ton of them. So I'm betting the Pharisee was prepared. If he says number 27, then I'm going to say this. And if he says number 32, then that's wrong because of this. And so he didn't expect the answer that he got at all that we heard this morning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. 
love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So do you see what Jesus did? He took the entire Old Testament, that's what it means when it says the law and the prophets, and summed it up into just two ideas, three sentences. In this version that I read, it's only 37 words. He took the whole Old Testament and summed it up into just that, that much information. Do you think it could really be that simple? Is that really what the whole Old Testament, in my Bible I checked, it's almost 1,500 pages. Could it really be all about loving God and loving people? And I think Jesus would say with a resounding yes. The answer is it's all about loving God and loving people. That is the command and the call that God has placed on each one of our lives. And the interesting thing is that I think the world, just like the Pharisees, wants us to think that it's more complicated than that. If they can get us to believe that it's not really about loving God and loving people, that it's about this theology and this person's idea and this association and whatever, then they can cause divisions among the church, and we are less powerful when we aren't working together. But the real call is, it really boils down to, like Jesus said, love God and love people. So let's take a look at that call and what that means for us today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The interesting thing is that if we try to start there, we can't really start there. Um, There's something else that we have to understand or recognize before we can love God, and that is we have to understand how much he loves us. In 1 John 4.19, it says, We love because he first loved us. Also, in that same chapter in 1 John, it says, God is love, and love comes from God. I'm convinced from reading over this passage in 1 John that we really cannot love God until we see how much he loves us first. Um, Jay and I have a 10-month-old daughter named Adelie. She's downstairs in the nursery. And when she was brand new, there were many nights when she came home, and I just could not figure out how to get her to stop crying. And we'd try everything. I'd go outside. I'd let her look at the dog. I'd do anything. And eventually I found myself nearly every time singing to her. And first I'd sing, Jesus Loves Me. And around about the 97th time, when I was really tired of it, and she was too, um, then I would sing, Jesus Loves the Little Children. And then usually I would get to, Oh, How I Love Jesus. And that last song, um, the chorus of it goes, you probably know it, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Oh, How I Love Jesus. Oh, How I Love Jesus. Because he first loved me. And I was thinking how interesting it is, the song that we think is so simple has such a profound truth in it. We can only love God because he loved us first. So how do we know about that love? Well, the simple answer is in the Bible. The whole Old Testament is really this very dramatic love story about how God loves his people. Um, you know the story, but the Israelites are love with, in love with God, and then they start to drift away, and then he rescues them, and then he reassures them that I am your God, and I am taking care of you, and so they come back to him, but then they drift away again and again, and God takes them back and rescues them over and over and over. And even though they say, I love something more than you, many times he continues to love them over and over and over. And then, in the New Testament, that love story continues, because he rescues us in an ultimate way with Jesus on the cross. And we, 
um, continue to do that drifting away thing every day, momentarily, when we make a wrong decision, when we sin, and we say, God, my way is better than your way. But he forgives us over and over and over. And the thing is, if it was a person loving us with that kind of love, we would be like, oh, wow, this is the person for me. And, and when you can take just a glimpse at how much God loves us, at how many times he takes us back even though we turn our back on him, I don't think we can, we can only help but love that God who loves us so much. Loving the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind starts with us catching on to how much he loves us. When it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then other other places in Scripture, it also adds strength. All of those um, body parts together are really just to imply that we're to love him with our whole entire being. But specifically, the heart means that we are to love him with our core of who we are. That in our, in our gut, are we really about loving God? And then our soul implies our emotions. Do you freely express how much you love God in worship? And our mind means our intellectual commitment. Are we committed to learning God's truths and then living them out in our life? If we do those things together, all of those, then we are loving God with our heart, our soul, and our mind. The second commandment that Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. I've been thinking about it. This is probably the harder of the two. You, you might not necessarily agree, but I think loving God, you know, when you think about God, he's perfect. He never makes any mistakes. He demonstrated first that he loves us unconditionally. He wants the best for us. But when we love our neighbor, it's a whole different kind of beast. Um, our neighbors are imperfect. They have lots of junk, lots of baggage that they come with, um, whoever that neighbor may be. Our neighbors don't always show us that they love us back, right? Um, our neighbor doesn't necessarily want the best for us. Loving our neighbor can be risky and it can be messy. So why should we even bother? There are The Bible is packed with reasons why, should, why we should bother to love our neighbor. But I want to point out two specific ones um, for you. First, that we are called to imitate Christ. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. You know, any son who has a really good father wants to grow up to be just like his daddy. When you grow up, what do you want to be? I want to be my daddy, or I want to be a daddy. Um, And so any child of God who is growing up is going to want to be just like Christ. And the Gospels are full of stories of how Jesus loved people. So we have a great example there. And we saw that he didn't just love the easy people, the ones that everybody else loved. Um, We saw that he loved tax collectors who were cheating people out of money all over the place. And he loved a woman who was caught in adultery. Um, If we are called to imitate Jesus in the way that he loved, then we have to seek out the people that are hard to love. A second reason why we should want to love our neighbor is that God uses our love to draw people to himself. 1 John 4, 11 through 12 says, Dear friends, Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
Don't you think that's kind of an interesting design? That God wasn't designed as a physically visible God, but he designed it so that we would have to see his qualities and his personality in other people and others around us. He needs us for his love to be complete, for the full expression of his love to be made known. I think God puts a lot of confidence in us with that, doesn't he? Um, I'm wondering if you have ever experienced that, if you've seen in the way that someone loved you, if you have seen God in that um, expression. I definitely have in my life many times, but um, one particular case that I want to share with you that has really shaped my life in more ways than I can count. Um, When I was in fourth grade, I went to Camp Little Crossroads for the first time as a camper, and I had the time of my life. And I can't really remember much of that week other than I had the absolutely coolest person in the entire world as a counselor. She was so cool. And her name was Stephanie, and she just really took care of me and loved on me and just made me think that I was so special. And I went home, and Stephanie wrote me letters. And she wrote me letters, and she wrote me more letters, and we became pen pals. And she wrote me all the way up until the next summer, and I couldn't wait to go back to Crossroads because I could see Stephanie again. And the cool thing is that she wrote me and wrote me year after year until I was in college. She wrote me letters. And she showed me with that kind of commitment to me. You know, her job as a counselor was over, you know, five or six years ago before that. But she was committed to showing me God's love through that. And I saw in her that God's love was consistent and that his love was encouraging and that he was actually interested in me, like Stephanie was interested in me. And I know that it's because of her that I became a Christian. My third summer at Crossroads, it sort of all fell into place, and I understood all those things I had been hearing, and I started this loving relationship with my Savior. Um, So in Stephanie, God's love was made complete, and um, I saw the full expression of God's love through her. So I would challenge you to do it. Answer that call that God has placed on your life to love him and to love people. Uh, One of the best ways that we can fall more in love with God is by studying scripture. If we read this book that is all about him, we will get to know him better. And if we know him better, we will love him more. And the interesting, the cool thing is, if we love him more, it's going to be even easier to love our neighbors. It's a natural outflow that if we love God, loving our neighbors is just going to flow out of that naturally. Um, as you've heard, this week is Missions Focus and Mission Focus Sunday. And I would challenge, encourage you that missions, whether it's through the WMU or through your church or through some other missions organization that you might be a part of or have heard about, that that is a tangible way to love your neighbor, to let your neighbors see that you are loving them. Um, there is neighbor loving happening all over the state and all over the world, and you're invited to be a part of it. I want to just share a few of those um, ways that people are loving their neighbors with you. And where I live in Lowesville, Virginia, which is the middle of nowhere between Charlottesville and Lynchburg, um, at Crossroads, there are teenagers, high school students and college students, who give up their whole summer to love on their campers. And these are amazing kids. And they, just like Stephanie did in my life, there are kids who are just pouring out God's love on our campers. And 
every summer we have kids who come to have a saving relationship with with Christ at camp. Um, Just this week, I got an email from a mother of a camper who wanted to get back in touch with her child's counselor because her that counselor had made such a profound impact on this girl in the way that she loved her, and um, so it's it's still happening. God is demonstrating Himself through the counselors at Crossroads, and in Culpeper, Virginia. Sheila Smith is working with um, a program called Hope Builders, and she is mentoring. She is helping Christian women mentor their neighbors to be to grow into other Christian women, and teaching them practical skills like job skills and um, taking care of their family, but also teaching them to be Christian women. Um, you all know about this. In the Dakotas, the Roanoke Valley Baptist Association is partnering with or actually WMU, is partnering with the Roanoke Valley Association um, to minister to the people of Standing Rock, and relationships are being built there. And then in South Africa, um, WMU of Virginia has a missionary named Wendy Ryan who works at the Living Hope Community Center, and she works with HIV-positive women to help teach them a trade. She teaches them how to sew handbags so that they can... Um, have their own business and support their own family and have value in their life. And when other people value them, they realize that God values them too. So there are all kinds of missions. That's just a drop in the bucket of the things that are going on around the world and around our state. But it's all for one purpose, that if we love our neighbor, then our neighbors can only cannot help but to be drawn to the author of that love, to the where the place where that love start with. So get involved. That's my challenge to you. Um, your church is already in the process of loving their neighbors. Uh, I've heard about your Reach for the Cross program that will be starting up at Easter and your commitment to Standing Rock as an association and the new ministry that's going to be happening to the people in the condominiums across the street. Um, maybe you want to be more involved with the ministries that are happening with WMU of Virginia. Uh, I would encourage you to check out our website for all kinds of ideas. If you have some certain passion, chances are WMU of Virginia can hook you up with a place that someone is using that passion to minister to people and to love their neighbors. Maybe it's community transformation or hunger or camp at Crossroads. Um, But whatever it is, in whatever kind of avenue, Please look for the needs of your neighbor and try to meet those needs. Because if you can love your neighbor, then they can see Christ's love in you and join the body of Christ. So will you answer the call to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself? Tracy, thank you. Thank you for your words of encouragement and hope, too. I'll invite Tracy to come down to the fellowship time after the service with me so you can speak a word to her of thanks there as well. Um, There are, at some point in the future, the WMU is working on a list to show you what we actually have done in the last year and what we actually do as Calvary Baptist Church, and the things are, are many. So uh, Tracy's right. If there's a way for you that you want to get involved, there's probably an avenue already. So I'd be glad to talk with you, and so would any of the folks in um, WMU.